0: This
1: is a Rooster Teeth production.
0: Hello, Charles. Hey. So there seem to be like these typical tropes that are often used in these horror survival games like Resident Evil to create like an antagonist that you can actually be afraid of. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. What is the horror trope in your gameplay experience as Charles that has been the most effective at causing you real fear while playing a video game? like are you do you hate the little kids do you don't like the the dolls that come to life what is it that gets under charles's skin
1: you know the thing is the little kids and the dolls that doesn't scare me all that much because in the movies you're always like just fight it and in the games you can just fight it (laughs) right And 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 then it's gone right honestly it is with these newer games it's uh the atmospheric voice stuff so like when you can't listen i'm not really good at stealth in games and i'm not really i'm very much a, i want to fight the thing yeah so When you have to avoid things and that thing is whispering behind i, I don't i don't need that don't do that <laughs> just come uh, uh, it's gross. oh it's man gross. you need
0: to stay away from phasmophobia that is the entire premise of that ghost game no thank you okay we'll skip on that instead we'll talk about resident evil and let's go let's go
1: Welcome to the Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and hope make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliamore, writer and culture critic at IO9. And
0: I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer for Rooster Teeth Productions. Today we're talking all about Resident Evil Village.
1: Yeah, the latest installment of the Resident Evil franchise brings back Ethan Winters in another story about the strange mold that, very much like the Umbrella Corporation's T-Virus, creates all sort of monstrous chaos out in the world. Uh, we're going to dig into how Village ties into Resident Evil's larger story and how the game's ending sets up a very interesting future for the franchise. But first, we're rolling into Cannon Fodder, our quick breakdown of an interesting news story that caught our attention this week.
0: Uh, so fun news uh, happening right now in the film world is Attack the Block 2 uh, is yes. uh, Greenlit to Go, the uh, cult classic and, and wonderful hit of an of a indie sci-fi uh, tower climb action film uh, with John Boyega and it was uh, directed by Joe Cornish. That's going to get a sequel that we've been all been waiting for. For how long? When did the first one come out? Uh, the first one came
1: out uh, back in 2011. It's been, you know, um, it's been a decade, which is wild. Because um, when you actually go back, I watched uh, Attack the Block for the first time uh, not too long ago. And it was like, oh, wow, wow. I see. You can see, like, why he immediately went to Star Wars after that, right? Yeah. You could sort of see the trajectory right there. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, Star Wars aside, Attack the Block was such a, a strong, um, a strong sci-fi film in its own right that was... You know trying to do a little bit of social commentary about the youths of uh, south london yeah right? um but also trying to tell like this really tight and creative and gorgeous dynamic movie about a bunch of kids saving the world um and you know like we all we all love it when an indie movie surprises us and sort of like punches way above its weight class yeah but attack the block is you know it's it is that but also it has gone on to sort of become i don't know like i my first experience with the movie was on tumblr way back when like i remember seeing it in gift sets, and not mm-hmm. fully understanding um what the story was about, like I'd seen that shot of John Boyega running away from the monsters and stuff. Yeah, and I really understood Attack the Block to have gone on to, you know, really develop like a fandom whole cloth just from that film alone. You know, and that's sort of something you 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 rarely see with an indie film, and is sort of even it's 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 even kind of rare to see with like uh, big budget films, right? Like all these films come out, but they don't always catch on the way that this one does and so you know they announced the sequel on the the anniversary the 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 decade anniversary of the first film coming out and i'm really excited to see where this goes
0: yeah attack the block is a great example it's like a textbook example of a low budget uh indie film that uh tries to play in usually an expensive space sci-fi alien uh action films um but it does all the things that a indie film has to do you know watch what it spends you know uh mm-hmm. careful of like how much it uh what you know uh, the cast has to be limited to people that fit into the budget um all the aliens themselves have to be you know something they can pull off and isn't uh gonna be cringy and it does it all like almost picture perfect like all the performances are great they fit together it's got a little bit of of a uh of a big celebrity moment with like you know nick frost being an pretty well-known uh british uh actor and comedian making a, a, a yeah appearance yeah he's it.
1: there but like watching it now you're like oh shit like jody cornish is there all right doctor who and it's yeah. like if the if the sequel is going to bring back the whole of the original cast like that's it's not it's not a mind fuck but it's sort of like oh wow like this 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 was a film that gave birth to so much of what we recognize as like the current hotness in
0: hollywood the concern i have for any films like this is that it's like they did so good without having a ton of money. And I know that's I know from a production side that's hard and sucks. Mm-hmm. And you want mm-hmm. more money to make your lives easier. But sometimes that these sequels that get like maybe an extra budget that matches what they were getting in their returns last time, like more money doesn't mean like better film. And so mm-hmm. I'm hoping like Joe and John and all the crew and everybody in between will still like remember their roots and uh and you know uh focus on what made the original movie good and just you know recreate that in a in a, in a worthwhile sequel
1: yeah I, I i don't think it's coincidental um but i was listening to um an interview that john boyega gave um on fresh air this week and he was really talking about um the interest that he has in production on the production end of things just as a means of really establishing himself as a presence in hollywood um you know, and he done that with uh, the second Pacific Rim film, you know, like he co-produced that with oh, his gee. production company. Yeah, he did. And I ha- like that being in the back of my head makes me think that when he comes back to attack the block, there is going to be that sort of added layer of um, commitment to really making the project shine. You know, like it's not just, hey, I'm back to do this, you know, right. again, right, 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 that, right. but also like I want it to be. Good. So now that we have, you know, access to the funds yeah. and we, you know, have a platform, let's actually make the second installment something that lives up to the original's legacy.
0: Yeah, I, I, am I'm, I'm glad to hear that about, about him. Uh, I think I have like, just kind of, I've, I've got a little bit of, like PTSD from like certain directors, like, like Colin Trevorrow, who's like made a very good low-budget sci-fi movie, you know, Safety Not Guaranteed, and then. It wasn't a sequel, but it was someone take, taking him and giving him a ton of money and he makes Jurassic yep. World. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, he didn't need right. my money. That was bad. Sometimes money is a double-edged sword that way. Um, to talk about... I, I know we're only supposed to do one article for Cannon Fodder, but I gotta Let's touch... Let's um, one more. Because we're talking about worthwhile sequels. <laughs> um and I'm saying that with a big old asterisk over the that phrasing. Um people found the synopsis for Sonic 2 in a copyright uh, uh, <laughs> uh, submission. Um and I got to say, I didn't like I I'm going to I'm just going to be on the record. I didn't like the first Sonic movie. I just did. Oh, no, me neither. I no, it like was it. a it, it was not a good movie. It was it was not a Sonic movie. It was some other movie that starred Sonic and Jim Carrey. Uh, <laughs> and but the synopsis of the new one sounds like maybe they might actually take some of like some of the criticism of the first one and and take it to heart because it's like uh, to to read the synopsis. It's like James Marsden and oh, so who's the female lead in it with him? Tika uh, Sumter. Okay, they go off and leave Sonic, and then okay, Sonic is in his on his left his own devices and Robotnik. And no Okay, wait, 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 wait.
1: I want to pause you. I want to pause you.
0: I don't want to know. I don't want to know
1: cuz I kind of feel like I I I, feel like I I I feel like I feel like I want to be surprised by this. Can I, like like to, to like full disclosure, I avoided hearing this news because at the back of my mind I'm like is this another bit of stunt advertising like the Bad Sonic was.
0: What I'm thinking is like there's there's at minimum a 50/50 chance that this is not actually what the story will be. Like yeah. this could from this point to release the film So much can change and so much can happen. So much can change. And I'm so, I feel like Sonic, we we
1: talk on this show a lot about how the conversations that fandoms have sort of influence the decisions that studios make. Sonic being a great example of it. Being a great example. And I think that while there is a usefulness to it, I do worry that like the Sonic franchise just starts to treat the audience as like a one-to-one bellwether. It's like, Oh no, that's not what the, that's not what the kids want last time. Give them exactly what they want. And it's like, Oh no, 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 don't just, you know, don't just, don't read Twitter. Um, you know, truly sit down and figure out how to make a good Sonic movie, which is a thing that, which is a thing that I, I, I'm i sure that, that the talent is present in Hollywood that is capable of doing that and understands that. I think that the creators are there and they're just like, you guys, come on, stop messing around. Like, let us just make a Sonic movie. And there's all of this, like, hey, people out there in the world, do you want to know about what Sonic might. No, just make a good Sonic movie.
0: Come on. What? But that I mean, being said, all right, like, Knuckles is there. Go on. <laughs> it's just, yeah, that's all it is, is that Robotnik comes with Knuckles. And they're they're like introducing the whole like chaos emerald element into the thing, and then okay. Sonic Sonic and Tails team up to defeat N- Knuckles and Robot. That's literally the, the premise <laughs> that they've they've they said. So the details could could be quite different right cuz that's like that's the premise to you know
1: every sonic game more or less and and that's that's a good direction to take it in right like the human stuff was really cool but like whenever there's humans involved in sonic things i get bored and i feel like that's how a lot of people feel and i think the the question now is how do you turn how do you turn the world of sonic into something that is um not just visually interesting cuz like you can get the ball going in the loop de loops and people will stare at it but like something that actually feels Engaging, because I wonder if a Sonic movie that tries to be too much like the Sonic games ends up just being like um like a let's play essentially,
0: you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely not something where just because it's flashy and pretty, it's going to be good. Um, right, which right. Which, is, which is a big part of the Sonic games is that they are just flashy and pretty and fast. But I mean, we're we're obviously I think in the I I agree. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not agree. I admit that we're probably the minority of the people who have this opinion. The, the movie was. A major success i just looked it up made 320 million dollars on a 90 million dollar budget so success um but uh i don't know i like sonic i'm, I'm an old sonic fan i'm 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 in my mid 30s i grew up on sonic and i was like I'd, I'd love a really good sonic movie
1: i will check it out i'm sure he will get all the i wonder i wonder if he's going to get all the chaos emeralds right and they're not going to try to be like oh we're going to do one per movie like don't do that we oh did, if, he, just, if,
0: we, if he would just do the super saiyan thing i'd be happy like
1: we just want to see blonde sonic just yeah do it and you know, honestly take my money
0: he <laughs> will only do it like in the last like little 30 seconds of the movie so that's, that's, not all, you all, that's, that's all you need that's all you don't want
1: to, you don't want to see you don't want to see supersonic for too long no it's, it's yeah it's wrong but let's talk about something that's like i was going to say something that's right but no now that i think about it it's actually much 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 more wrong than a blonde hedgehog <laughs> resident evil village <laughs>
0: let's go Resident Evil Village is the eighth uh, canonical iteration of the Resident Evil games, um, and to start off our discussion about it, I just wanted to give people a baseline of like maybe where you and I uh, uh, interact with the Resident Evil franchise because there's kind of different ways that you could have been someone who is a, a fan of this franchise, and I feel like you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in our conversations, it like I I've I've played. A lot of the games, um, almost all of them. I, I've if I've not played them, I've like watched let us plays and playthroughs and that kind of thing. I really do like the franchise. I stayed away from it as a kid because I was scared of it, but then later on, I was like, oh, it's actually good. Um, in fact, Resident Evil Four was my first game I played of Resident Evil. Um, but when it comes to like other parts of the of this the history of this franchise, like the movies, I haven't seen any of the movies, so I know n- almost nothing about them other than research I've done for this show. Really? Yeah um for some reason i i just skipped the like first one and then just never mm-hmm. was like oh well, like you know after they made like six i was like well i, have, I haven't do i have to go back and watch the first one I, you know I'm, i actually am in, interested in watching the first one since it, it's been so long but where, where I, I know you charles have have at least seen some of the movies i don't know where you are with the games you let me know
1: So I have seen most of the movies actually, and the movies were my entry point to the franchise. I just like a little bit about me. There's not a lot that like spooks me out in genre media, but zombies are one of them. I don't know what it is exactly, but zombies just uh, unsettle me in that way that I can't quite grapple with and also makes me kind of obsessed with them. And the Resident Evil movies Um, were much more palatable than the games, right? Because the games, the thing about horror games in general that kind of makes them difficult for me is that they are um, really intense sensory experiences, right? Like everything about them is designed to sort of pull you into them in order for the scares to work. And that is... It's immersion and like honestly I don't know why y'all do that to yourselves. It seems it seems it is stressful. Like I in playing this game uh for work and other purposes, I've just, you know, had to go take walks and like watch cartoons to <laughs> decompress. Um but by comparison, the 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 movies um which uh the original was directed by uh Paul W.S. Anderson, whose name has come up on this podcast before when we were talking about the Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. Um, he is the video game movie director. Um it, that first movie, did what is often the case in video game movies. Um, it sort of, I don't want to say softens, but it sort of um, made more palatable the basic concepts there um, in order to make them, you know, more easily accessible. So you've got your, you've got the Umbrella Corporation, you've got your zombies, you've got an infection, you have a biohazard that's present, um, and you have your protagonist who's fighting their way out. But Mila Jovovich as Alice is far more... Um, This is more the case as the movies go on, but she, you know, she has powers. You know, she has skills. She is not just um, a helpless heroine. That was sort of the um, that was the idea that Alice was meant to subvert. You know, that's why you have her in the dress with the gun. It's like, oh no, no, no! She's not. um, She's not like a lot of these uh, these women characters from the more recent Resident Evil games, where they are helpless and in need of um, you know people like Ethan or Chris Redfield to save them. Alice was like all about getting shit done for herself and fighting uh, her way out, which is what made those movies uh, easier for me to get through. But as the movies have gone on and got more ridiculous and sort of like, oh, all right, this makes no sense anymore. Um, my interest in the, the games, uh, you know, grew. And I, as I got older, it you know got easier to sort of deal with. And what I've sort of gained, uh, the appreciation I've gained for the Resident Evil franchise is the amount of like thought and attention that does go into sort of Trying to explore this world in which uh, a nefarious corporations' dalliances with bioweaponry keep, you know, you know, almost threatening to plunge the world into chaos. We were in talking about this. I uh, we were uh, discussing Silent Hill, which is another franchise that I, you know, have read a lot about <laughs> more so than played. And it's it's even though it has a lot of it has a lot of the same themes and a lot of the same gameplay mechanics that franchise's emphasis on like magic and ooh, these spiritual rituals that you have to circumvent, that all kind of, within the, within the context of like zombies, that all kind of like turns me off. But Resident Evil really sort of always coming back to this idea that no, 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 like capitalism is bad and messing with nature <laughs> to make weapons is always going to go south. I, that that, that groundedness, <laughs> groundedness, um, is what has sort of made the franchise grow on me, for lack of a better word.
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, we, we even we talk a lot on this episode. We even talked already in this episode multiple times about uh, this constant, you know, relationship between the audience and the creators, um, and how the canon evolves through that relationship. And uh, Re Eight uh, Village and even uh, its predecessor Biohazard are actually prime examples in the gaming world of that relationship. Um, affecting each other uh Mm, uh, resident evil 6 comes out and it's the culmination of the of the previous uh um games and kind of starting with like resident evil 4 6 was this crescendo of just like having to uh outdo the next game with even bigger and bigger you know action and Mm -hmm. and robustness and 6 was like all right here's four separate campaigns with four separate characters each campaign is a different kind of play style, and one one is going to be kind of like Resident Evil One, and one's going to be kind of like Resident Evil Four, and then other one's going to like be a stealth mission, and and it's all and there's going to be co-op, and it's just like it was a lot. It's um, a lot, and it was a financial success, but it got major critical and audience, uh, you know, uh, negative reception, um, and they took five years off from making games, and they came back with seven biohazard funny enough the the original name of the game in japan we just didn't want to call a game biohazard so we call it resident evil um and seven was that response of like okay what if we go back a little bit to our roots seven's going to mm-hmm. be a lot more like resident evil one and it's going to be a little bit anthology like in that we're going to introduce A new character there's nothing no connection right now with anything previously and and, uh, we're going to introduce actually a slew of characters and you're not going to actually see anybody in the main game until like near the end or like the dlc and so it's going to be like this more anthology reboot of the resident evil you know franchise and then eight kind of continued that uh that pattern of like another almost like a standalone game like Mm -hmm. eight kind of standalones on itself. like you obviously start the game off and you're like okay who's this Mia person why is she reading this creepy story to this baby Um but the, I feel like the, even that story at the beginning was them telling the audience like this is not going to be like previous Resident Evil games there's going to be a lot of um connections to uh, to certain ones I, I, I'll, I'll talk in more length later on if we get to it of like how Resident Evil 8 is a spiritual remake of Resident Evil 4 but mm-hmm. as far as like the bad guys and the 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 villains and all that kind of stuff. It's gonna be a little different than previous Resident Evil. Like Resident Evil, like you said itself, it's a zombie franchise. It's always been a a pseudo zombie franchise where the zombies, you know, kind of change along the way, and sometimes they're dogs, and sometimes they're giant guys called Nemesis and that kind of thing. But right. it's bioweapons that made zombies. um And eight was like, well, we're gonna go back to like a, this kind of European village, and there's gonna be lichens. And there's going to be a big, giant, busty woman um, that's going to chase you. And then there's going to be this guy who's like can turn into a fish and then a creepy doll. It's like it's it's a lot of stuff, but it, it really it has its connections to the franchise. But in the end, it's still just like this uh, this new game for people to play. That's more, like I said, anthology like and yeah. it works
1: what i what was what, what was sort of really illuminating about playing through 8 and reading up on 7 um which sort of the thing that had initially really sort of kept me um distant from engaging with 7 when it first came out was this uh, concern that i had that oh in response to um you know the idea that they really needed to pivot um post Resident Evil 6 they were perhaps sort of um, electing to go the Final Fantasy route, where it's like, oh, there are similar themes here, but let's just essentially assume that it's a new world and there's a new sort of contagion that's out there, right? That's causing rather similar problems. Let's just say, you know, pathogens are to Resident Evil what crystals are to Final Fantasy Seven. Um, and I was like, oh, <laughs> well, that a- on a pillow, <laughs> right? Like, oh, sure, like that's what you could do. Um, but in playing through eight, you do see how. In a narrative sense, while these two games do function that way, there is a lot of work being done internally to make this new lore actually connect um, to the core of the Resident Evil franchise in a way that isn't just like a convenient aha and they were there all along, but it does sort of um, help flesh out um, some not holes exactly, but sort of some questions that I think a lot of people have had about. Well, how does a corporation like Umbrella come to be and how is it that their first big, you know, mess up is the zombie apocalypse? Right. That just sort of seems like um that sort of seems like a premise that is ripe for a lot more uh, digging into and sure. rather than immediately setting out to be like, all right, like here's the backstory of Umbrella, uh, what I appreciate is that 7 and 8 get into more of these thematic ideas about uh, or rather, they 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 expand upon some of the thematic ideas that have been present throughout the franchise as a whole, um, and they just contextualize them in a story that's you know about these new characters who are um, uh, sympathetic to varying degrees. I, I I think it's really interesting that as much as um, seven and eight, because uh, I think of them as you know one continuous story, um, as much as they were meant to be a jumping on point uh, for people like me who were you know like casually interested. Mm -hmm. Ethan Winters is a deeply unlikable person you know in a way and in a a way that's like I'm sorry do you want me to play this game with this man and I'm supposed to let him survive like oh okay all right you know you've got your I think the thing is uh, Ethan feels like a very prototypical horror movie protagonist in that like he's a tortured man who has complicated feelings about his wife and his newborn baby. And guess what? Some of the monsters that he deals with are going to be women who he has really complicated feelings about. It's like, (laughs) it's, it's, it's going to be that kind of thing. And I, I do, but I do feel that even that was intentional in a way, right? Like, I feel like that is such a recognizable kind of archetype within um, both the horror game uh, genre, but in, you know, horror movies as well. um, That it, it it almost kind of, it, it, it works to make him um, a cipher, or sort of underline the kind of cipher that he is. That's uh, revealed as you play through the game, like as yeah. much as Ethan's like,
0: "I am a person." Resident Evil's like, <laughs> "Are you though?" Yeah, he he is kind of that that fish out of the water, fish out of the water character in the in a room that everyone is explaining things to, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. that allows him to be that for the audience. I think there's like some unintentional poetry in that. Ethan is maybe one of the most unlikable characters of the entire Resident Evil protagonist, you know, line. Um, And he's also the one that doesn't have a face. We don't know what he looks like. Mm, mm. It's like they're hiding him, you know? It's like a witness protection program because we're all just like, (laughs) we don't care about Ethan and his dialogue is terrible. And uh, I mean, the guy doesn't even like, the guy gets a message from his wife saying like, everything's i was i was lying and everything's wrong but don't come looking for me and the dude listens and waits three years like he doesn't go looking for his wife for three years until he gets a message from her saying hey come look for me you know (laughs) um he's just terrible but the game works despite that and and i i I, what you were talking about like the like the connectivity that they they do at the kind of end of like village which um we'll say right now spoilers um we're going to talk a little bit about the end of village what it means for the game and the franchise as a whole so um at, at this point if you haven't played the game and you don't want to know how the game ends and that kind of thing you might want to like uh i don't know not listen to this <laughs> um but that being said that like i think probably around the time of i don't know maybe around like when m night Shyamalan was uh, getting we were getting bored of him we kind of all got a little <laughs> Ooh, about probably. like the what a twist thing it's like oh uh, what a twist. okay okay so we all so we all just like didn't care for, we like we kind of got a little bit a little bit jaded okay i'll say i did i got a little jaded i don't want to like project on other people uh but mm-hmm. i got i got a little jaded by that kind of thing but they they didn't really shoehorned in a ton into seven and then eight it kind of comes at the end with a few like like a, a spoonful of sugar kind of elements to it where it's like all right you've been having to slog through his Ethan for like 8 hours now. Here's some fun with Chris. Chris has a lot more guns. He's going to he's going to exp- he's going to have a lot of exposition about like how this connects and um in the end it's just going to be like, "Oh, this is like a little bit of like added bonus origin story of Umbrella and all the and, and and Oswald Spencer and that kind of thing." And it 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 was it was actually fun and it worked, you know, as opposed to like being like, "Oh, you you shoving a twist into this game that connects it to the previous franchise well done so the thing is i i don't know if i entirely agree with
1: that because i do think that the revelation about ethan that we are going to get into in a bit because i I do want to get through some of the, the plot of the game itself i do feel like given the plot that is being told it is kind of what a twisty um because like in these first you know in the first few moments of the game you um, you have this, uh, this fairy tale read to you about a little girl wandering through the forest and taking all kinds of gifts from demons. And it's like, Ooh, God, why are you doing this? Um, and that is sort of the tale that resident evil eight is right. You essentially live through that experience as Ethan. Um, and what I sort of was, um, I'm still, I still sort of have mixed feelings about it. Um, in the beginning of eight, you are, you know, you are in this Eastern European village, Um, and you presumably have some understanding that like, Hey, you've been through a situation like this before. I understand that he does have a certain degree of amnesia. Um, but the whole, like, let's just do all this crap again and wander into this village that is clearly besieged by demons. (laughs) Um, did feel kind of like, um, almost like a reset, right? Because there was a way that I feel like there was a way that. Um, his story from Resident Evil 7 definitely could have more immediately been picked up in this game but doing that would have required a little bit more a bit more of like a, an expansive game because in like in the grand scheme of things this game felt really small by the end, right you Once you sort of establish that there are are the four, you know, the four lords of the village that you have Mm -hmm. to take on one by one, that's pretty much the game. You know, Mm -hmm. you you know, you make your way through, you take on the lady, you take on the doll, you take on the fish and then you take on the robot guy. And that's it. Um, And then at the end, you know, once Ethan has goodness, (laughs) uh, collected the various pieces of his baby daughter by fighting all of these mutated monsters and learning more about the deep history um of this village he dies you know and uh he dies and comes back to life and learns that throughout this entire story both the events of seven and eight he um like many of the creatures seen in this game is a product of uh megamycite um a very old and um powerful fungus Like a creature that has a number of properties, many of which involve bringing things back from the dead and mutating them. And that is revealed to be the reason why, despite the fact that he has died multiple times, that is acknowledged in the game, he comes back and why, even though he's getting shot at and bitten and chopped up, he just pours a little bit of, I don't even know what that crap is, pours it on his hands and hand fluid. And he's like, I'm back, baby. And as much, I do think that that's sort of like, oh, so he can't just be dead. He has to be, <laughs> you know, he has to be sympathetic dad swamp thing um, because the game itself does so much to actually explain to you how the Mega site um, becomes this catalyst for monstrosity and, uh, you know, all kinds of evil that comes from Mother Miranda, because it, the game spends so much time fleshing that out, that makes the twist earned, I feel, you know, so it. it it's not even so much that it's a, it is surprising, right? But then when he, you know, when the game's like, and he was fungus all along, you're like, huh? Oh, okay, sure. Sure, 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 That, that, that makes sense. As opposed yeah. to like, oh my God, you know, part of it's because, part of it's because I feel like the game doesn't really try to go out of its way to make um, Ethan a very sympathetic character. Yeah. But I think it's more to sort of illustrate the fact that as much as this is Ethan's story, this is also a story about how the kind of, um, how the kind of transgressions against nature that we have seen in the Umbrella Corporation creates beings like Ethan, right? Yeah. And while we, you know, while we've had the firsthand experience of seeing that um, as we play uh, as him, the real point of this game is uh, revealed in uh, the last few moments, where you see his daughter Rosemary, um, who you know survives all this nonsense. She's a teenager, and she's, you know, she's with. Um, she's with some officials and, uh, she expresses PSAA like
0: agents or something. Yeah.
1: And she has, um, some sort of undefined powers, uh, that we don't really get any look at, but is sort of a, a tease for what might come next. And it's like, oh, okay. So in the grand scheme of things, right, we learn a little bit more about the origins of the umbrella corporation, uh, why the umbrella corporation is like, oh, this is a, this is a good logic, a line of logic to keep poking at. Um, and in the end we get sort of the potential for this new protagonist who, I know you haven't seen the movies, but I was like, when I, when she, when, um, when Rose talks about her powers, I'm like, oh, like this is Alice-like, right? Mm -hmm. Because the movie, you know, wraps itself around this protagonist who, even though she appears outwardly to be a damsel in distress, being a product of the Umbrella Corporation turns her into, you know, the arbiter of its destruction. Um, and as much as these last two games were of like narrative deviations away from the focus on umbrella bringing um bringing rose into the finale as like you know that girl um i think was a really interesting and like satisfying way to end this
0: yeah i i'll i'll speak to two things one to to not come to this conversation a complete idiot i tried to do some research about the film franchise and everything i mm. found was buck wild to think from a a filmmaker perspective of someone who is taking a, at the time, a very, very beloved franchise. And Paul W.S. Anderson was like, all right, so this first film is going to have almost nothing to do with the video games (laughs) um there are going to be basically no characters from the video games in the movie uh there's like a a cameo or two uh in it um that were supposed to like play out later um but didn't work out and instead like it's 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 populated with these new people which is like talk about like a a, uh uh m night Shyamalan a second ago like when he like changed the pronunciation of "ong" and ang and that kind of thing uh, or no, ang tong yeah. i was like that's so a choice paul Ws. anderson was like all right jill and chris are not going to be in this at all um it's going to be about this alice girl who we're not even going to name in the first movie she's going to be alice in the second movie she's gonna be nameless in the entire thing um and and and, and just like fr- from that point on like the movies are like loosely sometimes uh connected like uh they no, nemesis they... shows up but he's different mm-hmm. Certain
1: characters do pop up, and they're sort of honestly, they are more cameos than anything else because this franchise really is Alice's.
0: Yeah, Ada shows up, but they but she's not as cool as like Ada Wong in the games. Um, oh
1: no, none of the none of the none of the cool characters are as cool um, in the games <laughs> um, um, because because again because it really is. Um, like not to speak ill of mila jovovich like this is this is what mila jovovich does right like she does these action movies that are all about like showcasing her talent and the fact that she looks like a badass you know running around with a a knife between her teeth and two guns blazing yeah um and that works for a very particular kind of action thriller i'm an action horror thriller um, and yeah. you know like everybody wants to see the lady uh dodge the laser grid and you know throw some knives through the little hologram girl but <laughs> resident evil but like but resident evil has always been over not always been but these more recent games have really sort of um hearkened back to uh, what we were talking about earlier right the atmospheric element of things yeah in a resident evil in a resident evil movie it's never more than five minutes that like people are just creeping around trying to like you know not make noise it's usually like ah shit here comes nemesis with that thing again let me go get my bazooka because we have to fight him and that's cool you know it looks great um but I think I think what we've seen now is like there's only but so much like by the end of the franchise They were like there are multiple Alice's and they're all telekinetics and they're and it's like <laughs> okay my, Like it got it, it went some places Which um, is funny th-
0: to say because I didn't even think about until you were talking about it right now of like oh So the movies actually made almost a similar trajectory as the games not like that They were actually taking notes from each other of like actually incorporating the same story, but that they were just escalating to a degree where you can't outdo yourself. It's like, it's like Fast and Furious, like, we'll go to space now because we've got no other options on this Terra, you know, area. Um, so the movies, like, obviously, we're doing almost the same thing of just getting absurd. I have seen some of, like, the action sequences from, like, the later movies, and they're just as silly as some of the stuff that happened in Resident Evil 6. I'll, I'll say that. But you were talking about uh, the, the ending of a Village, and this, uh, and this, you know, this conclusion that involved Rosemary, and it—the Rosemary thing—is interesting for a lot of reasons to me. One, you you touched on it, where it's like she's she's very Alice-like, and that she's obviously going to have powers. She, you know, the Miranda and and everybody talks so much in Village about how she has even more control over the mold mm-hmm. than anybody else, and that's going to involve her having powers, like Miranda had powers. Um, and so Resident Evil the games don't have a history with protagonists with superpowers the the ga- the games are even when they got too action-packed and and silly there's su- there's uh horror survival games where you're supposed right. to you're be surviving you're surviving
1: you know you're fighting them with things you know things that humans would have access to but yeah. like in in a lot of the in a lot of the the depictions of the various kinds of monsters that the megamyc gave birth to you see a lot of psychics right and a lot of mutants and like that's right up alice's alley um yeah you know in her like her explanation is like she is the perfected version of the t virus so you know she has basically a healing factor and some super strength you know as opposed to the whole flesh cravings and ghoulishness yeah um and i think like one i will say one of my one of my uh issues with the game was that it definitely plays its female villains for like hysterics um in a way that got kind of one note you know uh the lady i can't pronounce her last name the big big lady with the big okay that her um lady d lady d lady d you know just running around screaming about her daughters and clip clop clomping and you know uh but the the reason i brought this up is uh miranda it's in miranda we see like hysterical mother who's trying to revive her daughter and we get glimpses of the kinds of psychic powers that Miranda wields, right? The thing that gives her a thrall over people and makes it easier for her to, you know, conduct her experiments on them.
0: That yeah, sort I mean, of... that's that's even the plot of a, of a Biohazard 7, where mm-hmm. the, right, 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 right. The, the Baker family is basically not evil, but they are when they're under her control. Exactly. And all of that
1: feels very much sort of like um, a very long-winded way of spelling out what all rosemary could be right like assuming sure. that she is a stable person with a full uh, a full control over that skill set what could she be and now the way that the game ends i'm like well all right like what what would necessitate her being introduced into this franchise that way you know because we we were talking earlier about how uh between Resident Evil 7 and 8 it felt like the franchise was doing like a waxing and waning between survival and outright confrontation as yeah. very, as, as different styles of gameplay yeah. and it makes me think like what is the kind of focus for this game going forward if if Rosemary's you know is the protagonist is it just that you know because she is half fungus on her father's side um she heals organically as opposed to having a poor on her hand or is it or is it or is it like um because whatever the next kind of um monsters or ghouls uh that the game presents are going to be a different breed of it's not just going to be you know big tanks they'll be i don't know fast thinking zombies and that (laughs) would necessitate you creating a a character with a different kind of power set power set closer to alice's uh to really make gameplay more fun and interesting i'm I'm curious
0: yeah i think village uh, sets up a couple of interesting uh, prospects for the future of this franchise because um, it's 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 been very successful. It's it is uh, it is uh, critically acclaimed. Um, I can foresee us seeing another Resident Evil very soon. They're not going to take another five year break. Um, but I I think the ending of Village and even just the full game of Village uh, kind of sets up this trend that I'm kind of hoping that they continue with is and i said it kind of early on of like treating resident evil more like an anthology um mm-hmm. because they you know for years and years and years with six main games and then a bunch of other side games and all kinds of other things that were going on um they just kept building up this this same uh canon you know involving these characters like Jill and Chris and 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 Wesker and and uh, all, all of them Leon and all them and it you know it 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 kind of ran out of Track, um, and it got a little bit, like I said earlier, silly in six, um, and then seven was like a reboot where, uh, you know, we don't really, we're we're just we're gonna. This feels like a Resident Evil game, even though it's first person for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. It still felt like it was a horror survival game with you know these zombies-like characters, um, and so it, it 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 rebooted, and then eight was a conclusion of seven, um, but still felt very different from seven while seven was very, uh, uh you know, nitty gritty set in Louisiana with this family and everything like that. Like, um, eight has different kind of monsters. It's in a different setting. Um, they even like wrote in a little bit of plot for like, Oh, Ethan got some military training. So he's a bit better with the guns and stuff now. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. cause in seven, you're much more limited in that. and It's a lot more puzzle solving of like finding things that make shadows on the wall for you to open a hidden door and that kind of thing. Um, I with Rosemary at the end of village and and her one being a very different protagonist now if she were to be the lead of a game like you said powers and all that kind of stuff but also time has passed like mm, she's like yeah. in her 20s or even like older than that in this in this uh, ending like she's it, she's it. she's uh, she, she, uh, let's say she's 20 let's say she's 20 um, but even then she's a baby just infant at the end of Village, so even if eighteen mm-hmm. years have passed, then you know you're limited on you know in incorporating some of these older characters of like is Chris gonna show up in his sixties? You know is 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 uh uh Jill Valentine wait is Jill dead? I can't remember. Um, it, but are these you know so you're gonna have limited like access to what they constantly did in the previous games, which is like oh. Uh, you know, Jill is actually not dead and she's, she didn't die out of falling out that window. She's actually alive. And now she's got a thing in her chest that's making her crazy. Um, you know, and, 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 oh, you like Leon and, and Resident Evil four, he's in Resident Evil six. It's like, you can't do that as much. And I hope they don't like, I think making this game an anthology series works for it with loose connections to the kind of underlying canon of the Resident Evil story. So
1: um, Rosemary is all of a teenager in that jump into the future. But <laughs> your point is made, I do think that in that... Right, inter- 16 like years, that, 16 years. That does leave plenty of time, though, for other things to happen, right? Like, whatever it is that is in the future for Rosemary specifically doesn't necessarily need to be the next installment in the franchise. Gotcha. Um, particularly because, like, whatever it is that she's dealing with, right? Like, if the future is a game in which you play as a super-powered protagonist... Um, presumably it would be interesting to see how things got to the point where that needed to be the case, right? Like what else is going on in this world um, right. that we don't know about? Because what I did really, really like ultimately about the the fairy book um, framing that the story uses is that it gives you like an explanation of like, all right, like here are where all of these weird Eastern European myths come from, right? It literally is just all the mold and a bunch of mutants and because Mm -hmm. we don't talk about these things uh they get passed on as folklore and so they exist out in the world Mm -hmm. i am not necessarily interested in the idea of like resident evil the next one is about witches like let's not go the american horror story route (laughs) you know and it all sort of just like now how is the fungus giving people magic exactly i think that would be i think that would be jumping the shark a little bit but i do think that there are like there's a lot of potential like set me a game in like Des Moines, right, where there's something <laughs> in the water system and you as, um, as a water treatment worker have to do something, you know, like I, I think that this definitely does, um, how to put, it, it sort of demonstrates how lore can be expanded upon in a way that makes uh, the wider world that has been left unexplored sort of like a really interesting idea. Um, and I think that if they were to leave Rosemary on the table for a few years, that would be a really good move, right? Right. Um, yeah, but you know
0: who knows if if she could show up. You know if they could introduce another Ethan-like new character. Not don't make him like Ethan, please. Hey, stop making don't make <laughs> Ethan's like. Give no more us, Ethan's, please. Give us a new character. Give us a cool, cool girl. You know, give us a a a a, a, a powerful lesbian that that is uh, working in Des Moines, Iowa. Apparently, uh and, and I would uh, play that game. I would too. But yeah, like let let. let uh, Rose be like the Chris uh, Hatfield in Village, where they're they they are participating in the story, but they aren't necessarily the the story itself. And so it still is a Resident Evil game, but it's something new. I I you know it's scary to to think of these of games like this of these these age old franchises doing crazy different things and doing these reboot like moves, but it's it's encouraging. One, to see when it works. Uh, Biohazard and Village are great examples. Uh, uh, God of War, the most recent one, is another good example of like completely mm. changing things a ton um, and getting it right. And then with Biohazard and Village, especially Village, um, you could tell, I, I think you said this, like these games are made by people with a lot of artistic intent, a lot of care. You know, they're they're definitely adopting this, uh, I don't know, it, it sounds like a cheap word, but this trend of. You know, going in and getting some very talented actors to do some really good um, mm. mocap work and, and, and voice work. Um, it's it's fun to read stuff about the actress who played Lady Lady D and uh, how how much she loved um, you know embodying the character both uh, vocally and even physically. She's uh, the woman who plays her is not a tall big woman, um, but she did a very good job of like creating that energy. Um, and in and like in her
1: performance like i will say this about lady d she was a big part of the advertising for this game and the subject of all the memes everyone's like step on me queen kill me and it's like well y'all are weird but you know obviously (laughs) right like there's something about her that caught on besides the fact that she's a tall busty woman right um as you play through the game and you sort of um, you sort of deal with her as a boss, she doesn't really factor into the story all that much. No, um, which was disappointing. But yes. she is well, for me like she was like the most memorable part of the game because like yeah. that performance was so good, right? Yeah. Um, everyone was clearly having like a ball doing it, which is something that I think I I, I I'm not going to say like that's not always the case. I can't speak for the actors, but you could mm-hmm. clearly feel that like things were popping in the studio. Right. And in a game that is like grimy and disgusting and terrifying that, you know, there isn't really a lot of comedy in this game, but that sort of worked to be the palate cleanser to like, Oh, right. This is, this is a game and I'm supposed to be enjoying myself. All right. Like, I guess I will lure you into this light and help murder your daughters. Um, and I do, I, 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 I hope that there's more of that going forward. Right. I don't think that I don't think that you can just make another tall person, right? Like that was a one and done kind of thing. But
0: <laughs> I don't fo- know. I mean, uh, Resident <laughs> Evil's got a pretty good, uh, pretty good track record of making large villains that are just slowly, constantly chasing you. I mean, well, you know, okay, but actually, I'm not going to say really... she's Mr. X, but she is well, kind no. of a Mr. X.
1: No, but she is. But that's a really good point, right? Like village was like all right like how we can't just make another mr x right but let's go about it in a different way let's make a mr x like character who's tall and elegant and regal and wants to cut your dick off you know because <laughs> it's a resident evil game and that was just enough of a reimagining and some like you know funness to make lady d like a wholly new character in her own right who still like haunts my dreams and is in my mind yeah despite the, the fact that I, I i put the game down for a little bit um, and I just want to see more of that, right? So it's like, I, I, whatever comes next, I don't just want it to be like, and it's big bugs this time. It's like, all right, but like, make the bug fun. Like, I want to see the, I want to see that imaginativeness really sort of define the direction of the franchise.
0: Listen, there is one proven piece of connective tissue that is clearly making these characters that are these kinds of of chase characters work so well, and it's hats. Okay, so <laughs> d- Mr. X in the in the remake of of what is it two he gets a (laughs) fedora he's even more he's even more foreboding he's even scarier Mm -hmm. some good sound work is done to make him even more of a big moment and it works lady d she's rocking a good hat as well she's got (laughs) she's got a good sunday church hat on and and i think resident evil just needs to continue that that trend we need resident evil needs hats on the villains
1: I guarantee you Lady D owns like a Jackie O style pillbox hat and it's an yeah. original and it's a vintage and she cherishes it.
0: I that's, that's what's like her. I think that was a, the maybe the low point in the game for me uh, was when, you know, I, I, I don't think the developers knew how much clearly how much that the, the internet culture was going to just, Die over Lady D's uh uh reveal and everything like that. I think they knew what they were making. They knew what they were. Ma- they, yeah, they knew what they were making. They they shot those those photos of her from a certain angle. You know, they they knew what they were doing.
1: All right, everybody, let's uh, get together and get all this animation for her ducking <laughs> through doorways together. Yeah, they knew.
0: <laughs> they knew. But I think there's like a degree of like how much the internet just just consumed like that uh to a degree that they weren't prepared for, mm. and that it shows that like. She gets dispatched, like you said, in the first two hours of the game, and it was kind of sad. I was like, "Oh, like her, even her house is beautiful, and and something that I would have loved to even explore, even for because the, the game does have a like a, a history with big old regal mansions. I mean, that's Resident Evil One, is them just mm-hmm, going through mm-hmm. a mansion, and so, and then her her daughters are like over the top and campy, but they were fun. Um, they could have probably made them a little bit more difficult. It didn't take too long to figure out that cold kills them, right? Um, and and same with her, like we you and I talked briefly about how kind of unsatisfying her very typical Resident Evil uh, move of like oh the the bad guy is now just a big old blobby you know monster she's that you a, have she's to just fight with as many blob balls as possible. monster,
1: and you're gonna you're gonna shoot at her, and you're gonna say a lot of misogynist stuff, and you get it because <laughs> she's trying to kill you. But at the same time, it's like is this really the direction that we had to go in? But right. it's over. But it's over, and it's sort of like all right, well. That was something and it could have been something a little bit different but yeah in the end i do think that she was she was a more successful character than not
0: yeah she was she was and so that's 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 like maybe my low point and it was just uh the, the uh it's it's when the character you think was, is going to be in the movie for the whole movie and then they get you know eaten in the first 15 minutes and you're just like oh okay i, I okay I'll, I'll keep rolling but i'm i'm gonna mark this down as i'm bummed about that moment since we're on Lady
1: D, why don't we roll into cannons Because I feel like she is the direction that we need to be going in to get our, our minds working as we wrap up.
0: Yeah, we t- we talked extensively about Village. I think you can tell that we we both liked the game. It was yeah. I, I I actually recommend it to anybody. I think you actually don't even need to have played a bunch of Resident Evil to get into it and enjoy it. And and it's it actually has. A positive note in it in that um sure some games you buy you want to be able to sit down and go like okay i got a good 40 to 60 hours of gameplay ahead of me this is going to fill my life for the next three months i love it village was just 10 hours uh if you played it you know uh, consistently you get it done with that so it's it's a great game in that but because of the limited nature of the game and because of the limited time we got to cherish and spend with lady dimitrescu mm-hmm. um I want to. I want to pose the opportunity for us to discuss. Like, is there a game there that you would have loved to see, or that you even had kind of formulated in your head before playing the game, where Lady D was more of a part of the game? Is is there a canon of like where she was maybe as prominent as Heisenberg was in the game, and like, do you, do you think that would have worked? Where could that have gone? Um, I I I feel like they could have almost. Made her a bit more of a less of like just one of the four Lords and Mm -hmm. and somebody who, I don't know, even that first scene where we meet them all after we get blacked out, I I felt like she was a more senior member of the Lords. And I, I think that would have been cool to have made her something more than just like the same as the grotesque fungus dude named Moreau. No, the thing that's like I'm—I wholly
1: agree with you. Now, between her being like the most aesthetically normal of all of them, right? Like, because they're all mutants, right? Yeah, and yeah, the a theme in this is always like the the mold or the pathogen is trying to create something powerful and like perfect. She's the closest to it, right? And she is the one of the four lords. She's the one who exudes the most actual regality, even if mm-hmm. it is just an affectation. I thought that she was going to be, like, one of the final bosses and that the game would have featured, uh, like you were saying earlier, more of her house and leaning into sort of the idea of, like, royalty. Because I thought to myself, like, all right, you've got this big fashion monster. Give me a horror fashion show, right? Where it's like, come participate in my court. And you're just like, what the fuck? fuck is this and you know it's glamorous and terrifying all at once i'm watching i'm watching that netflix series halston about the fashion designer and i'm thinking to myself like yeah and it's like oh no like fashion is the perfect setting for horror and you just have you have your you you have your icon right there lean into it more the fact that you know her daughters were very bride of dracula like which i love but like give me more than that like she only has three like give me not a harem but like Give me just like a, a haunted house full of you know models who want to kill you that to me that I feel like that was that was the direction that the game could have and should have gone in and but that being said, you know, the mold does not forget, so never say never,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always the, the, i mean the game is the franchise is known for like resurrecting people constantly um but I think you were talking about like where she she talked about so much of this kind of like Eyes white shut horror stuff of what Not she was eyes gonna... wide
1: shut, yes,
0: <laughs> but that's that's that was like that was the vibe you got from her place, yeah, no, and totally. You could have explored that even further, and I think you still could have incorporated the other lords as being like members of her house. Um, I, I, I don't know, I think it was almost a i i don't know if they meant to but they like they made her even more charismatic and interesting than miranda and i know Miranda's just supposed to be this maniacal overlord person but i don't know you 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 put the the cart before the horse when you when you showed us lady d first and then we get the appetizers afterwards we just want more now
1: (laughs) all right that brings this episode of the real canon to a close if you liked what you heard and we know you did please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss out on a single show. We've got new episodes coming out every Tuesday.
0: And in the event that this episode might've been your first one, we're glad to have you here and we would love to talk to you more about all the stuff we covered today. Um, So you're gonna wanna check us out on social as well. We post supplemental stuff there. We let people know when a new episode is up and what it's about. And while you're there, if you wanna like add a friend, tell them about the show, post it on your story and tag some of the people you think would like this kind of thing, we won't say no to that.
1: Get ready, get hyped, and we'll be back next week with more The Real Canon.